Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. Yeah. How you doing? Well, I've got all this pressure on me now. Oh my, okay. There's, there's a certain number of films that I apparently have to see. Okay. Because they've been nominated for Golden Globes. <laughs> the most prestigious of all film awards. Okay. So, so my, my list of like 2010 movies that I haven't seen that I have to see yeah. uh, has changed drastically. Boy, hasn't it? Yeah. You know? I hadn't given a, a moment's thought to the tourist. Yeah. Except uh, for neither did fun. the filmmaker, apparently. Except for that I like to pronounce tourist in a weird way. The most tourist. Weird. Tourist. Um, <laughs> I, liked, I like to say tourist. Yeah. Um, but no, I, you said neither did, did you see uh, The Lives of Others? I didn't. I own it, but no. I haven't yet watched it. Oh. It was One of those, four dollars uh, somewhere. I've got all the. Ever since I moved in with my girlfriend, we like combined our collections. Now I have all these movies. Yeah. That I that I haven't seen that, that they, I now like kind of own, and I feel like I I gotta watch this. I gotta watch. I gotta re- watch V for Vendetta. Ah, oh, I'd, I'd be interested what you in to see what you think of that movie. Um, but she also has like Trees Lounge, which is something I've always wanted to see. And That's a good movie. It. Anyway, so <laughs> you're clearly being sarcastic about the Golden Globes. Yeah, I don't even know most of like I saw. On Twitter, just people mentioned like the tourist in red, and I and I was like, uh, I don't need to look at this list. This is this is not. I'm still. Oh, don't worry. I'm still going to watch the Golden Globes. Oh, of course. Uh, you know, and I'll I'll, I'll live tweet. And um, I guess also, if- I did that. The first time thing I ever live tweeted was the Golden Globes a year ago. Okay. And I just sort of did it on a whim, and I was like, uh, you know, having drinks with my girlfriend, and mm-hmm. uh, now I feel like I've. Let me know, listeners on Twitter, people who follow me on Twitter, if you expect me to live tweet these these award shows because now I kind of feel like live tweeting like, the Oscars the, was the Oscars, a lot of fun. And I done the, did the Emmys, um, and like the Emmys was the one movie go like I just wasn't I wasn't on that night at all. Oh, okay. Not that I'm a comedian, but I like felt like I'm not making very good jokes here. Here's the key: if you if you're not on, what you need to do is live tweet very literally and say this category is coming up, and that's it. I I live tweeted a road trip and I just said like that was trees rumble strip yeah people, see if you if you follow do that, Tyler at more lessons and you'll get live tweets of him waiting of, for a haircut waiting for a haircut or sitting in the passenger seat of a car <laughs> on a nondescript stretch of uh, New England road I was in the back seat actually <laughs> um, anyway so yeah Golden Globe nominations yeah uh, so rather than than go through each category or anything um, I may. We may hit on a couple because they're so ridiculous. The Golden Globes... Burlesque! Yep. I'm looking at this list now. Okay. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Go ahead. Um, The the Golden Globes have gotten less prestigious in the time... Have they gotten less prestigious? I think they have. They used to be kind of a precursor to the Oscars. Like, you look at this and you see, okay, well, this this is about it. Uh, These are the Uh films that are going to... But the complete lack of true grit... In any category, well, I haven't seen it. Well, I haven't either. But everyone, I mean, it's it's a fair assumption that, like, its inclusion in a couple of categories for the Screen Actors Guild Awards, for example, mm-hmm. right, um, means it'll probably be included. And I wonder if it's a function of it hasn't come out yet, and maybe a lot of the people that vote for the 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 Golden Globes, maybe they haven't seen it, and thus it is not included. Um, I'm not sure when it when films get screened for them, but it's. What fascinates me, like, for example, you mentioned Burlesque. Burlesque is, is nominated well, this, in the, the musical. The musical or, I think yeah. this is the main problem. Like, the drama thing, you can make a case for all of these. Yeah, yeah. 
these are all well-reviewed movies. Black Swan, The Fighter, Inception, uh, The King's Speech, and The Social Network. Yeah. It's the musical comedy thing. They're like going out of their way not to give credit to the good comedic movies that came out this year. Like uh, like a Scott Pilgrim? Like a Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah. Um, you know, Piranha 3D. No. Well, all of these are still them. inherently... With the exception of Alice in Wonderland, which has the box office behind it, and that's basically what it's got. Aside from that, these are all, don't get me wrong, old people movies. <laughs> you know, I mean, Red may be an action movie, but it stars older people. It's like, right. oh, finally an action movie we can get behind. It's just, it's, but of course, Burle- how could burlesque not be included? It's called the musical or comedy set, uh, category, and so... If you've made a musical, you get to be nominated uh-huh. for a Golden Globe. The sheer, the sheer moxie it takes to make a musical qualifies you to be nominated, and you'll you probably won't win because you'll be up against something actu- uh, but, you know for real. Okay, Alice in Wonderland, Burlesque, The Kids Are All Right, Red, and The Tourist. Are any of these really what you would call a comedy? Um, I, I mean, I guess no. you and, you and I, because we're comedy fans, we go to see a comedy. Yeah. To to laugh at it. Yeah. These are like... It seems like the, this category is slightly more lighthearted fare. But it's not actual comedy. Like, they're not giving an, an award for well, how much but, a movie can make you laugh. But that often happens. That happens with, like, Lost in Translation and Sideways. And I'd say yeah, the kids are all... okay. Like Sideways the kids are all though. The kids are all right. Is, is like a comedy drama. I mean, it's I'd say it's about as... About 30% as good as Sideways. But, uh... But, but yeah, I, I think if you're looking at best comedies, uh, I mean, how many how many Golden Globes was Role Models nominated for in 2008? Uh, I th- hang on, I think five. Really? Was it up for five? I think it was zero. Actually. Oh shoot! Uh, I was f- I was only five off. Role Models, by the way, I mean Role Models is about the funniest film of the last five years, in my opinion. It's probably the funniest film since Anchorman. It's yeah, it's pretty solidly funny. It's I, I'm not I'm not disputing that it's not funny. I'm just trying to think of what the funniest would be, and it's I laugh a lot. Like it's a movie that I don't own, and I'm upset that I don't own because I feel the need to watch it frequently. Yeah, um, yeah, and I you know, and I I wonder. Let me ask you this because a lot of people have said this. I think I think uh, Graham Elwood and Chris Mancini said it last year when they were on for, to talk about the Oscar nominations. The idea of splitting Best Picture into Best Picture Comedy and Best Picture Drama. Because that way, maybe more comedies will be recognized. Given the Golden Globes and what we've seen them do, and, and we realize that that the Golden Globes it's different than the Academy, probably not as different as it should be, but it is different. Do you think that if they were to split Best Picture in the Oscars, if they were to split it between drama and comedy, do you think it'd wind up like this, where they would still ignore a lot of the better comedies and go with something that's? I don't think Scott Pilgrim. Aside from maybe some technical awards, a movie like Scott Pilgrim, which I understand it's not, to s- some people are really put off by the main character. That's fine, but it's an incredibly well directed movie, and it's one of the better comedies. I laughed a lot. I think it's the funniest movie of the year. I don't. I, 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 yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't see the other guys. The other guys was not as funny as it could have been, but it was right. it was very funny. And there's one moment specifically which I'll talk about at the year end okay. uh, discussion. But uh, yeah, it's. Um, and I don't know, like anyone, anyone who, because I, I frequently say like, well, maybe, maybe they should split it up. But then I think, well, it'll ghettoize comedy. It's like, well, at best, it'll ghettoize comedy. At worst, <laughs> right. it'll just nominate what 
you know, what made money or whatever. And then, of course, you wind up with performance in a comedy. And, for example, male performance, you get Johnny Depp twice. Don't get me wrong, I love Johnny Depp, but this was not his year. I hate Alice in Wonderland, and The Tourist didn't look very good, and no rev- there was... There was nothing better than a mediocre review. Also, and Johnny Depp is good at a lot of things, but I don't think he's funny. You don't think he's funny? What has he been funny in? He's funny in Ed Wood. He's funny in Fear and uh, Loathing. Yeah, yeah, he is funny in Ed Wood. Yeah, he can be funny if the material is there. Yeah, you're true. Um, that's true. You're true. Thank you. That's, uh, <laughs> that's right. Um, but like Paul Giamatti for Barney's version, that's fine. I've heard good things about the movie. But like Jake Gyllenhaal for Love and Other Drugs. Not a well-reviewed film. No, Kevin Spacey for for Casino Jack, though that's you know the what? kind of role that would yeah. be nominated. The film is not getting good reviews, and everyone it, it, says, the, 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 "I'm not a guy to to judge a movie based on his trailer." But the trailer for Casino Jack does did not look <laughs> enticing to me at all. It doesn't look good, and a lot of the a lot of the reviews for the film say that Kevin Spacey, you can actually see the disdain that he has for the person he's playing in his performance, which I think is always. It's bad. a bad choice. That's a bad choice. Um, but what were we talking about a second ago? Love but, and Other Drugs. Oh, yeah. Edward Zwick is a director who so often people don't like his movies and I end up loving them. So I think uh, I want to see Love and Other Drugs. I love Blood Diamond. The more I think about it, Criminally, it's man. so much fun to watch. Bling bang. I got two words for you. <laughs> One of them is bling and the other one's bang. What do you think of that? Yeah, uh, I you know Blood Diamond is uh, it's it's an old fashioned adventure film. Like it, I wish it was that. It's not that. It's that with a heavy handed message. I don't like the film, which I guess means I love actual Blood Diamonds. I'm I'm swimming in them, David. But uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's very heavy handed. As is Glory. As is the Siege. These I mean, yeah. yeah, these are all movies that I really like. Last Samurai. I actually didn't see that one. It's. I'm sure I'll like it though. He's I like great. Zwick. I like Ken Watanabe. Yeah. I like Tom Cruise as an actor. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun. None of his films are bad. I would not say the Blood Diamond is a bad film. Um, it's it's competently made. It's solid with some well written, usually supporting characters. Um, usually the supporting characters are much more dynamic than the leads, in, in my opinion. But I don't think I'm not. I want to make it clear when I say I love Blood Diamond, I mean that I love to watch Blood Diamond. Okay. I'm not saying that it's. Yeah, you know, high art or a great film, but I, I it came out at the time at a time that I was working at the ArcLight. Yeah, and I would often like take my break, like my lunch break, like buy a hot dog, a discounted hot dog, or whatever, and go sneak into what like Blood Diamond, just wherever it was in the movie, and sit down in the front row for half an hour and watch it while I ate my hot dog. Let me ask you this: This, this is a fun movie to watch. This is uh this is off topic, but that's fine. I don't have much more to say. Uh, about the Golden Globes, although it's interesting to me, speaking of love and other drugs, Anne Hathaway, which any any good review that the film has gotten, it's about her performance. Uh, so she's up for uh-huh. musical or comedy. But from what I hear, and here's where the crazy thing is about the Golden Globes and just and these types of categories, is that everything I've heard about her performance is how great it is dramatically. Right. So she's nominated in the musical comedy category... But her character is, and of course, I haven't seen it. This is all based on reviews. But her character, you know, has like an illness, and right. and a lot of what is appealing about that character is the way that she deals with her illness. And she doesn't. It's not Patch Adams. She doesn't deal with it through laughter. You know, 
and so it's it's interesting to me that the the dramatic center is nominated in the in the com- uh, comedy category. Um, but I guess that's you have no choice. It's not like you can delineate between the even the performances. Like that's that's yeah. too specific. I think. Um, I don't know who makes. I basically see when I see uh, like an ad for Love and Other Drugs, and from what I understand, it's actually much more of a polemic about like the pharmaceutical industry than we're being led to believe, which does not surprise me for Edward Zick Zick because he makes, you know, uh, issues movies. Yes, he Uh, does. But I feel like whenever I see, you know, what was the, uh, Morning Glory was that a movie this yes, year? Yes, which I'm excited to see, and I'll. I'll oh, really? This will be a, a. Well, you know what? Here's the, whenever I see like an ad for a movie like that, or a movie like Morning Glory, or anything that Nancy Myers has ever made, I'd be. I, I'm. I think. I wish James L. Brooks directed that. Then I would want to see it because I actually do want to see how do you know how do you know? Which is also not getting good reviews. I know, by the but way. James L. Brooks makes me want to see see a movie. I would you know? say that's right. Yeah. Uh, Spanglish didn't didn't get very good reviews, but I enjoyed it. I liked it. I wouldn't say I... It's nothing I want to revisit. My favorite thing, I almost want to buy the DVD because it has uh, a video recipe for the egg sandwich that he makes. Do you remember the scene where he comes home late at night and makes this ridiculously, like, almost Dagwood-esque, like, (laughs) greasy-looking egg sandwich? uh, And it shows you how to make it in the... On the DVD. That's a good special feature. Like, anytime a... Because his character owns a restaurant, correct? Uh Anytime somebody is a cook or something... The food's going to look great, and it's like, oh, man, that looks delicious. Show us how to make it. Uh-huh. I probably won't because I'm very picky, but nonetheless. Um, real quick, because we, we, ne- we haven't mentioned this, but uh, you mentioned stop, you, know, you worked at a movie theater. It's time for your break. I'm going to duck in and watch this. Yeah. Uh, that's how I feel about the $3 movie theater that just <laughs> opened by you and me. Speaking of Red, which I'm going to try and see exactly. for $3. Uh, yeah. It's this week as as I as I think I I don't remember if we mentioned it on the show. I don't think we have. But here's here was my response to seeing that that theater had opened because I've lived by that theater. and It's been empty for so long. Is that I I have two movie podcasts. All right. Uh-huh. One of them just lost a podcast award, but that's fine. I'm um, sorry. Can't win them all or any of them, it would appear. Um, so the. uh so I have two movie podcasts, but movies are so damn expensive, and there's plenty of movies that I'm mildly interested in. Yeah. Not incre- not $15, not even $9 interested. But $3 interested. I'm $3. And it, but the I thing told is- you, I mean, my, my work schedule has been crazy lately, but I was telling you, like, that theater was showing Takers, and I yeah. was like, $3, sold. I will go see Takers yeah. for $3. I didn't end up getting to make it, because of my dumb work schedule lately. And based on the largely- <laughs> A little bit, po- little bit bitter. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see Takers. <laughs> oh, people involved with that film aren't that bitter uh, if they weren't able to. Like actors who weren't cast aren't that bitter about Takers. Um, but uh, like a film like Morning Glory, which got pretty good reviews, but I don't want to spend fifteen dollars to right. see it. I'll see Morning Glory because it's three dollars. It the theater opening within a mile of me. It really like. I got not literally emotional, but I had an emotional response. Like, I can see movies again now. The uh-huh. way I used to when I was younger, and I didn't have to worry about paying insurance and stuff. Right. Um, you know, I would just go to the, the Springfield, uh, the Campbell 16, uh-huh. pay six bucks, and go see something that I was kind of interested in. I might like it, I might not. But nonetheless, I'm seeing movies, I'm out there. Like, I've added so many movies to my... Between this and, I'll say it, Redbox... Uh-huh. I've gotten to see a lot of movies that I probably wouldn't have seen otherwise, or at least 
Because even five bucks on video, it's like, uh, I don't know. I know. So I, I was like, very excited. I, I, my uh, my girlfriend and I back in, it was almost a year ago now, went to see uh, Roman Polanski's The Ghost Rider yeah. at the aforementioned Arclight. And we got there early and we had dinner at the Arclight Cafe first. Yeah. And like, at the end of the night, it was like a, it's like a $65 night. Oh, easily. And I didn't like the movie. And yeah. I felt like, geez Louise. Yeah. What have I done? What have I done with my evening? Yeah. That's the thing is, is out in Los Angeles... A movie is kind of an investment, you know, and for three bucks, if the investment doesn't pay off, hey, you lost three bucks, but you still, you know, at least you can, at the very least, you can talk about this movie. That's something that bothers me is, is having to judge a movie based on whatever. If and when the tourist comes to the $3 movie, I'll probably see it. Strange as that sounds. I'll give up two hours of my life to watch those two stars and, huh. and just so I can comment on it. You know, more uh, How many more objectively. Jolie films do you like? Do I like? I like I mean, Changeling. I didn't see Change. I didn't see a Mighty Heart either, which I nor did I. I heard that was, that sounds pretty brutal, though. I want to see it, but it sounds rough. Um, let's see. I like I, I like Hackers Ag- for nostalgic reasons. It's not good, but I, I enjoy it. Um, and I like was Mr. she Mrs. Acid Smith. Burn? Is that her name? I can't. I remember. think so. I love Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah. Um. And I, I, you mean you love it the way I love Blood Diamond? Like you love to watch Mr. Mrs. Smith? It's not. Do you think it's actually a good film about marriage? Yes, I do. You in do. fact, uh, go and listen to my more than one lesson episode about Fireproof, in which I say this movie, which I, as a Christian, should like, but in fact hate, but own because my mom sent it to me. <laughs> um, this one is much less effective emotionally and cinematically. It's than uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It's about people who when you enter into marriage you think you know the person but you don't really i mean you live with them or or if you move in together whatever the case may be you see them day in and day out you get to know who they actually are and of course people change so you almost feel like you're with a stranger and then when you actually start to realize who they are you're gonna butt heads you're gonna argue more than you ever thought you did but you work through it and that's what that movie's about in the craziest possible way but it's I a nice little has, me- has, it's a nice metaphor i think the movie has third act problems both as an action film and as a movie by drama or a movie about a drama about marriage is what i'm saying i think it, i think honestly it'd be better a film if they split up at the end see and i I I disagree because first off I think they earn the ending they have because it's not like he she's a hitman he's a hitman uh, let's be upset for ten minutes and move on no the that, the bulk of that film is them being feeling betrayed actually uh-huh. and so like the actors are doing good things there and being angry and wanting reconciliation and then finally getting it and actually being stronger now for having gone through it because now they truly are a team and no one can kill them. And so I I feel like But they I think it would be better movies like that that's all this. I now accept and respect you, but mm-hmm. this isn't working. Like if they had split on amicable terms, that would be a better ending for that movie. But there are pl- as a metaphor for marriage, there's plenty of marriages that uh, it seems like they should break up, or it's it it makes it makes sense in a way for people to break up, but they actually work through it, and they're you know I, maybe this is a, a marriage thing for for you and me because I know that you hate the concept of marriage. I um, do not hate the concept <laughs> of marriage at all. No, it's fine. Anyway, but okay. um, we've done enough talking about Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Indeed. Uh, yeah, we've talked about the goal. 
this always happens every time we say like we don't have anything to talk about at the top of the show we talk about like th- we talked about three things at the top yeah. of the show um i have no idea how far into the show we are because i can't see the uh the garage band i'm today. reluctant to pull it up um we're oh, 20 minutes okay okay uh let's get into it shall we all right uh, no segues necessary it's uh it's the christmas season it sure is David. it's the holiday season yeah um which you know uh Christmas for most people means uh, gift giving and gift getting. Yes. And uh, every year you get um, a few made-for-TV Hallmark movies. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, riddled with commercials in between. It might. Yeah. <laughs> might be noted that uh, tell you that that's not what Christmas is about. Yeah. And we should stop being so materialist and consumerist. Exactly. So we are going to talk today about movies about materialism. Yes, and uh, and I wanted to start by uh, as as way of transitioning into the topic. I want to talk first talk about a few of the Christmas movies that are anti-consumerist. There are right. a surprising number of them, and then get into the topic proper. You know what? I have I have a list here, real quick, before we get into anything. And I'm looking at it and realizing that when you think about movies about materialism, they're always anti-materialist. Because movies that are pro-materialism, usually it's a, like a, a, an undercurrent or maybe it's even subconscious, you know? I mean, yeah. like, Michael Bay's Transformers is a pro-materialist movie. It's about how – it's essentially a movie about how awesome it is to have your first car and to yeah. own a car – you know, I should say, by the way, I didn't finish watching Transformers, so maybe uh, I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe uh, they all move out to the desert. And, um, and, uh, maybe uh, you know uh, what's his name and 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 the yellow yellow monster thing. The yellow monster thing. Whatever his car's name is, Bumblebee. Bumblebee. Uh, maybe they part ways at the end. I like that you use the term monster. <laughs> just, I don't know. Are they monsters? That's I don't know. They are right. Some They're damn monsters. thing, right? Um, <laughs> But uh, <laughs> anything that big is a monster. I'd say that's about right. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, the uh, it's odd that you bring up Transformers as a pro materialist film because that's a very honestly that's like I would say the extreme of what studios think men want. Uh-huh. The extreme of what studios think women want is another incredibly pro materialist film, which is Sex in the City. Oh, Specifically, sure. Sex in the City two, which Jen just watched and was uh, just flabbergasted. Um, yeah, and we talked uh, just last week about um, "Don't Tell on the Babysitter's Dad," which is indeed very. I mean, it's, it's a, basically the idea that an American teenager's fantasy is dominated completely by consumerism. Yes, but at the same time, I mean, it's also about like pulling together as a family. But part of what that means is, you know, in America is. Got to get a got to get a car. Got to get you know your yeah. white picket fence. The whole deal. Yeah. Um. But uh, but yeah. As far as anti-consumerism and materialism, I'll bring up a couple of uh, Christmas movies and then I'll point out a delightful irony. Um. Okay. So movies like, for example, uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas, which is all about Charlie Brown's frustration with the commercialism and and all these things that Christmas is purportedly about. And then, of course, Linus says, well, here's what Christmas is all about. And then, you know, uh, quotes from uh, the Bible. And then, of course, there's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Which is on my list here. Which is 
and which okay which is very much you know maybe christmas perhaps is a little bit more it's not you know everyone in whoville is still singing despite the fact that all of not only does he steal their presents he steals all of the visual reminders of christmas you know mm-hmm. the tinsel the trees all this stuff right. um and so it's it's not even saying that it's only about presents uh, that that it's not only about presents but also all these other things that we associate with christmas it's about something even deeper than that which is interesting because the grinch the ron howard film the live action film uh what i what i find interesting about that is because it has a lot of the same uh themes uh-huh. But here's the problem. If you are making a children's movie that is anti-consumerist, be prepared to be a hypocrite because, <laughs> man, oh, man, there is so much merchandising associated with that film, yeah. as there is for Wally, which is on my list. Um, yeah, that's a good one. It's just, uh, just going to happen. I mean, it's, it's very unfortunate. But, uh, but, yeah, I wanted to bring up just a couple of... Just a couple of uh, Christmas movies that deal with this, and then we can talk about... I realized, speaking of Christmas, this is slightly off topic, Okay. but I realized in watching the Glee Christmas special the other day that people always talk about the true meaning of Christmas, but there isn't one true meaning of Christmas. It's different to different people. I guess, technically, the true meaning of Christmas is that it's the birth of Jesus Christ. Yes. That's, that is the true meaning of Christmas. Yes. But that's not always... In fact, it's often not what people mean when they say the true meaning of Christmas. They even either mean that it's about uh, Toge- giving, togetherness, it's about togetherness, or it's about family, or it's yeah. about forgiveness. I've heard people say, which yeah. is ridiculous. There's nothing, there's nothing about Christmas that's about forgiveness. Well, in the sense that I think something like that can be traced back to the Jesus thing. Yeah, there you go. And and what Jesus represents for many people is forgiveness and redemption. This is why Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday because we 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 goddamn know what it's about. It's about giving thanks to God, actually. I don't think it's about the giving. I, I think it's about being thankful for what you have. But I think I think what it was about at first was probably being thankful to God. But as time has gone on, um, because I think is no, I think initially it was about being thankful, and then God was just because the people were Puritans. That's that's right, where they placed their thanks. But it was about not taking for for granted the things that you have in life and that help you survive. That's what it is about now. But even looking at the name Thanksgiving, the implication is you are giving thanks to what? To the other people? If you're being thankful... To the universe. Okay. But at the time, the universe had a name. (laughs) And it was... The the universe has a name. (laughs) Sounds like a trailer. Um, But uh, no, I'm not here to. I'm not here to, in a Bill O'Reilly type way, talk about how you guys have taken away Christmas and Thanksgiving. Because I don't don't like. I don't like Christmas. I know you don't. But I will say that Thanksgiving was not yours for us to take away from you. That's my point of view. Oh, okay. Thanksgiving Um, was never. uh, It was never a religious holiday first. It had religious. Undertones for certain people, right? But I don't think Thanksgiving has ever been a holiday that you have to be religious to get. Not to mention because, um, yes, which I, which I actually agree with, um, because for the Puritans it was about God, but it was, all, it was also about actually a great deal of unity. If you know, if you if you look at all the pictures, it's about the pilgrims. If you buy and the, into that exactly. Story, yeah. It's about the picture, uh, the the pilgrims and the and the uh, Native Americans coming together, and it's about this unity. And they certainly didn't have the same theological beliefs and all that, but. Right. Um, but no, with Christmas, I do agree that at this point, 
Christmas is it started as a, as like a Christian thing. the The word Christmas was a was a Christian thing, but now it really does belong to everyone. Now, of course, uh, I'm sure a lot of my Christian listeners and probably some of my friends are going to be mad at my saying that, but. Regard, I'm not. I'm not putting my own commentary into that when I'm saying that. I think right. that that's true. At this point, it belongs to everybody. You don't necessarily prove of it, but you know, right, right. Um, it's just as secular as not, if not more so. But the problem always comes down to the Santa thing. <laughs> okay, because there's no real reason for the whole Santa myth to exist outside of materialism. Yeah, he's a guy that you don't really owe anything to. It yeah. comes around and just gives you stuff. <laughs> or not. Santa's surprisingly karmic. <laughs> maybe that yeah, maybe that's what it's about, but that's that's what it should be about. I don't know. I saw Rare Exports. Uh Rare Exports, a Christmas tale. Oh that's right. That's the uh and that's, explain you know, what that's about. Um a team of scientists, digger excavationists yeah. find this ancient burial mound on the like Finland Russia border. Okay. Uh, and it turns out it's the burial of the still alive original Santa Claus, who's like a demon and boils <laughs> children alive. <laughs> you know, ne- <laughs> we should have done it this year, but uh, but I didn't. It didn't occur to me until just now, and we're already into another episode. Um, but next year, I would like to discuss movies that are seemingly anti Christmas, not anti in that they're against it, but that they feel the need to go against the holiday uh-huh. cheer. You'll find it a lot in television as well, like Futurama and Family Guy and stuff like that. But you get like Bad Santa and even Nightmare Before Christmas a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, like that's, I think that's a topic worth exploring because it certainly sounds like. Ta- I don't know. It does it frustrate? Let me ask you this: Does it frustrate you? This is also not on topic. Does it frustrate you when? Because you're kind of a. a don't take this the wrong way. I, I see you as sort of a, a cynical type. Not as cynical as you used to be. but um, okay. And I used to be much more cynical than I am, but I still sort of am. Um, does, it, does it seem to you like someone's trying too hard when they take something as seemingly pure or at least a happy image of Santa Claus, which though I just described him as karmic, um, the... The, the happy and wholesome image of Santa Claus and like, oh, now's our chance to be really cutting edge and we're going to make him a demon, demon who boils children. Doesn't that, does that seem to you as just a little like, yes, go listen to your punk rock. And, <laughs> no, uh, I mean, it bothers me a little bit with, with Bad Santa, but not with, a, not with Rare Exports because okay. um, the, I mean, it's not as violent as Rare Exports, but the actual history of Santa Claus does have a little, like just like the grim fairy tales or anything they yeah, are a yeah. little bit darker and i think what to go even further off topic and do my little mini review of rare exports it's actually a movie about uh it's actually a finnish nationalist movie it, it, oh good it's, it's about like this is it's about being proud of being finnish and that's where the santa claus myth originates uh as far as they're concerned yeah i'm sure i'm sure they're i'm sure the dutch or whoever would have their own idea i thought uh, macy's created santa claus <laughs> i thought coca-cola did um but uh yeah I, I think i think rare exports is not actually an anti-christmas thing it's it's more about like it's more it's a finished pride okay movie. 
You can have Christmas or fin- or, or Finland. Yeah. You can't have both. That's the way I look at it. But it does, I think, delight a little bit in you know the image of a field full of slaughtered reindeer at one point, <laughs> which you know, frankly, it's it's, it's it's I don't I don't bother. I, that does bother me. I, it was a fun movie to watch. It sounds. It actually sounds fun. It's just the the idea of whether it be Santa Claus or whatever, just like taking a wholesome image and then like making it as unwholesome as possible, just. Almost for just pure shock value, but it right. sounds like this this is doing this has, something, more going something on more. in rare exports. Now then, all right, into materialism. The, into okay. the topic. Into yeah. the wild is one of the movies on my list. Oh, all right then. Um, okay, let's talk about that. I just okay. said into the topic, into the wild. Yeah, that's. But it's on your list, so let's go. Uh, so, th- um, this is a movie that you and I were just discussing actually before Indeed. before we recorded because I don't really like it, and you like it more than not, right? Oh, very much so. Yes. Um, as a fan of acting, I think it's there's there's not a bad performance in the bunch. A lot of great, a lot of great characters, a lot of great performances. Oh uh, yeah, I'll agree with that. I don't know if that's, but that's not you know, the end all be all of making a good movie. No, that uh, right, but the but the the filmmaking doesn't undercut that. I think it serves that with well written characters. That's neither here nor there. Go ahead. Um, well, one of the things that's always been that has, even though I generally don't like it, the thing that has been interesting to me about Into the Wild is that the movie doesn't tell you how to feel about its message uh yes that's true um it's the the character is definitely anti-materialist i think the movie is anti-materialist to a way and i think the movie takes the movie is more about the guy's method methodology than his belief system yes um because the the movie does not paint william hurt and marcia gay harden in uh a necessarily warm light, you know, that you definitely right. are able to see them from from Chris, Christopher uh, Mc, Mc, McCandless. McCandless. See them from his point of view and see how they are kind bad of, people from yeah. his point of view. But then you also understand that they're more than that and they're, yeah. they're parents and they're just doing their best. Maybe. Anyway, that's not the point. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting off topic here. Uh, anyway. Uh, I, I like that this is a movie that um, doesn't necessarily take anti-materialism as a, as a worldview for granted. And I, I think that's the way a lot of this stuff, this like hokey made-for-TV Hallmark movie yeah. stuff, is almost like trying to remind us that we're supposed to be anti-materialistic. Yeah. Uh, and that's, again, that's not the, uh, that's not the end of things. There is right. an argument to be made that, you know, if you are, if you are secular, mm-hmm. why, why shouldn't you let the things in your life define you? Yeah, um, and that's where you get to the the difference between materialism and consumerism. Yeah, because I think consumerism has more to do with like, uh, you know, I have a car, but my neighbor has a better car, so I need to get a better car to compete. Right. That's not necessarily what materialism is to me because I consider myself to be somewhat materialistic mm-hmm. in good and bad ways. I'm aware of that, but I don't think I'm a consumerist because I don't want to have the best or better stuff. I just yeah. put a lot of pride and thought into the stuff that I have and that I own. And I and it's, um, you know, we had uh, uh, we had Jesse Thorne on the show a while yeah. ago and talked about about uh, you know men's style in film. But if yeah. you if you read uh, put this on his blog or uh, you know it, it's it's about using the stuff that you own and that you adorn yourself with 
both in clothing and in possessions otherwise, as the version of yourself that you're putting out to the world. It's about yeah. taking care of yourself, having pride in yourself, and it's almost like you have this museum, like your apartment is a museum of you, and mm-hmm. you are the curator of the things in it that define you. Yeah. So that's, uh, I, I wish I had, uh, I feel like I, I threw this list together, and it's all anti-materialist movies, but now I want to have this discussion okay. about whether or not materialism is necessarily a bad thing. I, think I feel it, like you and I are going to disagree a bit on this. Uh, I think we can. I think we. I think we would a little bit. Um, because here's the thing: like, as as much as I would, as much as I'm inclined to say, so like, oh yeah, materialism materialism's bad. I have two computers, two cars, and shelf after shelf of DVDs, and as listeners know, Riddler figures. Yeah. I, don't I have three computers. Between my girlfriend and me, we have three computers and three televisions. We could be watching six DVDs at one time. <laughs> the two cable boxes, two DVRs. Oh my! Yeah, and that's and that's the thing is like one would say that's excessive. You don't need it, and maybe that person is right. It's entirely possible that person is right. The key, I think, here's the difference: is it's okay to view these things as an extension of yourself, as but if you let them define you, as you mentioned. Uh-huh. I think the key is this: if all if there was a fire and it destroyed all your things, which it probably won't. But let's okay, let's say you lost all your money. Let's say you had to sell all your things uh-huh. to make rent or whatever. Um, who would you be as a person? Would you still be there? Would your personality still be there? Would you still be the same, or would you literally be crushed? I I wouldn't be. And I don't I don't think that's what I don't think that's what I'm saying. Okay. Um. The when you said the word you have, def- when you said the word define, yes, that's but when it's I was... not like I guess it's not the actual physical thing that I have. It's not mm-hmm. my TV that defines me. Right. It's the fact that I want to own a nice TV. Yeah. Uh, and not just to show off. Yeah. But because I take, you know, I take seriously the things that I watch. That's right. what defines me. And so I could get another TV someday. Yeah. I'm still the same person. Well, and also it's the. It's the it's not so much the uh, the pride that you're taking in the television you have. It's that I want a TV that can best deliver that so that I can best appreciate the movies I watch, the TV I watch because to me it's it really is the best possible delivery device for I would say your true passion, which mm-hmm. is not the thing itself, but uh I would say the art that it is delivering to you. Right. And of that, course that's if you what watch I'm saying about Yeah. The objects in your life that don't have to be the most expensive or the best—that's consumerism, right? But, let, and but you know, letting the things in, that surround you be mm-hmm. a part of you is not a bad thing, in my in my opinion. And I think this is, and this is probably where some of my uh, my Christianity comes in. Is that? Uh, and, and, but you might agree with this as well. I'm not sure. Um, is that? Uh, I think. Let's say you you have the opportunity to. Let's say a friend is in need of money like they you know they they need a car repair and they can't afford it but they can't get to their job without their car Uh and you have the money to help them out yeah if you choose instead to it's like uh this was money i was saving for this tv this was money i was saving for this thing Uh and you choose not and you choose not to help them out then i think at that point the things 
have taken more of a priority than humanity itself. Yeah, but I'm not, I wouldn't do that. Right. But I think some people who might call themselves materialistic, or maybe they wouldn't call themselves that, I think there are some people who would, who might take the view of like, you know, uh, well, I'll turn it around and say, uh, let's say it's a conservative thing and be like, well, you know, he should have planned better. Now, if you'll uh-huh. excuse me, it's like I planned great, which is how I'm able to buy this big thing. Uh-huh. You know, maybe if you had maybe you should work harder, maybe you get a better job, whatever. Um, right. You know, there's there's a lot of different ways that someone can can justify it. So I'm not saying you would do it, but I think but, I think uh, materialism. Yeah. But just because I consider myself to be materialist doesn't mean that that's the only thing I am. Right. You know. Material. That's the thing. I, I just reminded of uh, because I've been rewatching The West Wing, uh, the argument that uh, Josh Lyman has with the gay Republican about the uh, right. Defense of Marriage Act or whatever. Yeah, and he says like, I believe almost everything my party believes in. Yeah, the fact that I'm a homosexual doesn't have to be the only only thing my life is about. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying about I can be materialistic without without being yeah just that. And I think, and that's I think I think my problem is that I got hung up on the word define, right? Because if that character from the West Wing was defined by his sexuality, if that's how he said, if he said I am a gay man, right, and that's all I am, uh, then well, he probably I got my rainbow colored <laughs> suit on, <laughs> I got my rainbow suspenders, <laughs> I'm Robin Williams in the seventies, um, <laughs> then uh, then he probably would not be a member of that party, right. but he sees himself in other ways. And I think materialism as the end all be all for some people probably would make them i'd venture to say not the best person to hang out with sure um but i not, think anyone who's defined by one thing is not the best person to hang out with you know uh i think that's i think that's probably true because even, like there was a recent uh savage love thing where this guy was t- called in to talk on the savage love podcast to talk about his vegan girlfriend and how <laughs> like all of their relationship like in their sex life was completely uh, contingent on him uh, being as strictly vegan as she is. Yeah, and you know I don't I don't have any problem with veganism, but that's mm-hmm. fucking crazy. Yeah, and I think and I'm sure a lot of okay. I'm sorry to keep bringing up Christianity, but I guess we're talking about philosophy. So, but like I think one can be defined by one's faith, or one could or I would say philosophy uh, if one does not have a faith specifically, um, provided that it's multifaceted. Okay, like if you said. I mean, like someone who truly is only defined by their faith and the, and the expression of it through only prayer or something, they become monks and they are not engaged with the world, you know, which in my view is not how it's supposed to be, you know. Right. If you are, for example, Christian or whatever, if you are defined by your faith, then that means charity and love and, and all these other things that involve interaction, putting other people first. And so it... it you know, it shows itself in a lot of different ways. It manifests itself in a lot of different ways. Okay. But yeah, and it and it involves being friends with people who don't think the things you think. Unlike this vegan woman. This brings okay. I'm going to transition into the topic. Are we are t- well, we are talking about the topic. We're talking about the topic, but but yeah, film. Yes, we're going to okay. We're going to talk about a movie. Okay. Oh, thank God. So, because here's the thing. You mentioned the the vegan girl in mm-hmm. uh, Savage Love. Um, movies that are anti-materialism and anti-consumerism i'm putting them together right now Uh um is uh if they are really overt about it let me ask you this how insufferable are those (laughs) pretty rough 
Right. Because you and I, don't get me wrong, uh, you loved the film Bridge to Terabithia, and I did as well. But you remember the part I'm about to talk about where uh, this this uh, this young girl, I believe, she uh, she has this very hippy-dippy, uh-huh. anti-consumerist, anti-materialist family. They don't even own a TV, man. Yeah. Um, they don't say that, but that's the best way I can convey right. what they're like. And their idea... Notice of the- I say television and not TV. This is from Mr. Show. Do you remember that? Uh, no, uh, what is that? I don't no, I don't own a television. In other words, I say television and not TV because TV is a nickname. Nicknames are for friends. And television <laughs> is not my friend. <laughs> That's perfect. That is so perfect. Um, so they don't have a television. So what do they do for entertainment? David, Can you do you remember what they do for entertainment? No, what do they do? I'll tell you what they do. <laughs> they spend all day. Oh, okay, I'm sorry if this comes off as smug and mocking, but I can't help it. They spend all day painting a room yellow so that when the sun, like, hits a certain point, that room just really lights up and they feel like they're in the middle of the sun. Uh That's what they do Uh for entertainment. They work, basically, so that they can have a few moments of, like, oh, this is the best. All right, well, now we have this bright yellow room. Yeah. Um, And it's just like, that's... And I remember when you and I talked about that, I brought that up and be like, ugh. And you and you said, yeah, I know, I love the movie, but ugh, um, like you really were bothered by it as uh-huh. well. And just and movies like where it's it's like this is this is y'all your alternative. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I understand you don't need movies, you don't need television. I get it, I understand that, but like go fishing or something, <laughs> right. you know. Um, I feel you know what something C- catch and release, catch and release. Yeah, exactly. Everything about that seems like there's a man named Thomas Sawyer who's like, you know, if you paint this room yellow, uh, then the sun hits it the right way. It's as good as uh, entertainment. <laughs> now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go catch a movie while yeah. you guys paint this room. Um, well, the, um, this idea of that you um, appre- essentially what they're doing is appreciating nature or the world, you know, with the this yeah. this sun bullshit. Um, <laughs> We're a couple of assholes. Uh, brings me to. Uh, to the uh, recent film Avatar, it's on my list. Yeah, um, and you know, there's a. I think Avatar is really good. There's a lot of things I love about it, but those things have nothing to do with the overt message of the film. Oh my no! You know, when I when I when I watch this and I think like, really, these people who run around barefoot in a tree and have to <laughs> hunt everything they eat, like this is the ideal society. Yeah, like. You wouldn't, if you didn't have the comforts and luxuries, James Cameron, yeah, of the modern world. You wouldn't have the free time or the free mental space and energy to come up with these stories and feel this way about things. I would go so far as to say, as an artist, you'd be dead by now because <laughs> other people would have been like, "Well, it's a lean winter. Let's kill the artist and eat him." <laughs> yeah. I say I know that I know that. Hey, if the apocalypse happened tomorrow, David, you and I'd be out. Like we would be <laughs> so dead immediately. Yeah, there's there's nothing we can do. Yeah, by our own hand. It's like, well, I see I see the writing on the wall, and I think I'll I'd like to put my blood on there. Blam. Um, but uh, that was kind of cryptic. Um, but no, Avatar. Yeah, and a lot of people have said that. Uh, also, in, in a much more direct way about the film itself, saying that if you. Without, I mean, it's a very, it's anti-technology, it's anti-consumerist, definitely. Um, And, uh, but without these things, 
not only would you not live the life that you live, you wouldn't have been able to make this film. Right. Like it's, it, it kind of folds in on itself and I don't know, but maybe that's, maybe that's the equivalent of like, uh, the, what is it? The, I don't remember the name, but like the, the credits that you can buy for like your carbon footprint or whatever. Oh, like, right. Yeah. Maybe it's like, well, if I make a movie about how the technology I use to make the movie is wrong, maybe that cancels itself out and I still make a cool billion. <laughs> right. Um, you know, uh, and that sounds, that's a, that's a little glib and a little smug on, on my part to say, but, uh, but yeah, there is an inherent, it's like what I said about, you know, Wally or, or Avatar isn't a kid's movie or anything, but, uh, but it was a huge thing. I mean, it got, uh, it had, mer- it had all kinds of merchandising and, and then the film itself costs so much money to make arguably you could you could do a lot of environmental things with the budget uh-huh. of avatar yeah and with the mo- the money that it grossed i mean did james cameron donate all his money to an environmental cause he might have i don't know i don't think all of it but yeah. probably not all of it um i don't know i'm sure he i don't want to cast aspersions again exactly. i like the movie and exactly. i don't know how much he gives you know to to charity yeah he might give quite a bit yeah um but it's uh but yeah there's there's it's kind of a it's kind of a weird paradox. I won't even say I won't even say hypocrisy. That's too strong a word. But it's you kind of feel like, oh yeah, this I'm I'm on board with this movie. Really? How are you getting home? Um, and then of course, speaking of <laughs> movies that are insufferable, uh-huh. Fight Club uh, with its anti-consumerist message. Although I uh-huh. think I think it expresses that message pretty well, especially when it in the in the first act of the film. And seeing Edward Norton's home, and you see like the little catalog things, you know that's a little it, that might be a little on the nose. And I think movies have done it more since then, uh-huh. but I hadn't seen it at the time. I hadn't seen much like that. Yeah, it's a cool gimmick. Yeah, but it's a. It, I think it's more than a gimmick. I think it really expresses that this is a guy who who does define, who really does truly define himself by these things because he can't not not because he's choosing it over something else, but because. Nothing else is really that interesting to him, or there's nothing that has really excited him. Uh-huh. Not that these things excite him either, um, but that he's living a, a life basically out of a catalog. Yeah, but I think what Fight Club, um, and this, I'm actually going to say some nice things about Fight Club. Here, here. we go. Buckle your seatbelts because this will not happen again. <laughs> um, I, I have think plenty what, of nice things to say. What about Fight it. Club is really about is not anti-materialism, but I think it's really about what we were talking about earlier that. Uh, a fundamentalist devotion to any one cause, even if it's a good cause, Absolutely. is a bad thing and a bad way to live your life. Yeah, it's it's uh, unreasonable and irrational. Yes, um, I think that's what Fight Club is really about, and I think it actually does that message fairly well. Um, I'm just annoyed with almost everything else about it. <laughs> I think the I think the message is good, and I think the way it starts to go about it is is good. But I don't know; it's hard to explain. Um, you know what? I think I, ju- I I've said this before, but I I, I think I want to repeat it for as for as much as I bash Fight Club. I think I judge the film far too much on how people view it as opposed to the film itself. Uh, but I, we've had this discussion before. But I think it's to some extent the film's fault that it's viewed that way. Maybe the film buys into its own bullshit for most of the runtime. Uh, that's <laughs> that's yeah, what bothers that's me it, about yeah. it. That's what bothered me about Avatar. Or I should as well. say it buys into the characters' bullshit. It, it, yeah. The, the, yeah, the film Durden's, lionizes yeah. Tyler Durden as much as the characters yeah. do 
uh, and that's that's a problem. So so much so that to the point when we are supposed to turn on him, it's done such a good job of lionizing him that we can't. Right. You know. Right. Um, but I want to talk about. Um, okay. Speaking, of, I talked about Avatar, and I realized that I did actually put one uh, uh, pro materialist movie on my list. Uh, it's also a recent blockbuster, okay. and this is John Favreau's Iron Man. Oh, all right. I mean, this is a this is pro materialist in a good way, not in a way that like yeah. Transformers, in which it's almost taken for granted and it's subconscious. <laughs> you know that of course we love our cars. Yeah, like there's no exploration of that. Yeah. Whereas Iron Man. It's essentially a movie like we talked about James Cameron giving to charity. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is a movie about a Warren Buffett or a Bill Gates or you know yeah. what Mark Zuckerberg is is becoming or, yeah. or or stepping toward, um, you know, or or Bono or Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. Um, this is a movie about a really rich person using his, uh, his um resources, his money, and, his resources, yeah. and his just dexterity with things. Yeah. For good, it's not. Yeah, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, t- Tony Stark is that his name? Tony Stark, yes. I, don't you hate when that happens? Like that's. Yes, <laughs> I usually have a, a better memory for names than you do. But if it if it happens, it's usually when I'm laying in bed. And it's like, well, I'm not going to bed now. Right. Um, I mean, Tony Stark is not using his like. It's not a triumph of spirit, you know. It's not. He's not William Wallace. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. 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 Uh, he. Is kidnapped and trapped in a cave, and he uses things. Yeah, he builds a thing that's yeah. bigger than the other people's thing, or stronger than the other people's things. Yeah, and uses it for good. Well, and, and I, also, I, and I think that's um, I, I think that's a really good message that. Uh, and maybe that's the, that's the attitude I should have about James Cameron with Avatar, is that he's using his resources. Of course, he doesn't necessarily. Well, okay, hang on, sorry. Uh-huh. I had to rethink Iron Man because it's interesting because Tony Stark is very materialistic. It's all about things. Um, he doesn't necessarily he rather than abandon his things, he chooses instead instead to use them to his advantage. And he even talks about wanting Stark Industries to not make weapons, but instead to make things that will help the world like, uh, you know, with energy and such. But before he does that, he makes the greatest weapon of all time, this Iron yeah. Man suit. And so uh, so in a way, he's working towards something. He's working towards this ideal, but he has to engage in this thing he doesn't want to do to get there. And it's all of course, and it's all about technology and all about things. And so maybe that's maybe that's how I should view Avatar instead of viewing it as self-righteous or whatever. It is self-righteous. It's always going to be self-righteous. Sure is, yeah. But not it's not hypocritical because he's working towards an ideal when maybe technology's not we're not so we're not leaning on it so heavily or whatever. Um and in the but but we still have it and in the meantime I'm going to utilize that so that maybe people will I don't know work towards something else. So I guess I'm okay with that. Yeah. I I think uh, having a a more uh Anytime you have a less black and white version of the world, it's probably a good thing. Because almost everything in the world is not absolute. The vast majority of things mm-hmm. have a gray area. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, I would say, yes. I would say there, are, there are, of course, are some black and whites, but uh, probably not as many as you think. Yeah. Um, 
I'm just, I, I, I just can't stop thinking about the West Wing because I've been watching it so much lately. Yeah. But I where mean, are you on it right now? Uh, just watched uh, Seventeen People, which is one of the best episodes ever. When we're totally it's a good finds one. out, yeah, uh, which means we're only a couple episodes away from Eighteenth and Potomac. I'm sorry, Eighteenth and Potomac, yeah. and Two Cathedrals, which are two of my favorite episodes. But whew, rough, yeah. Um, but there is the one episode I can't remember what it's called. Um, oh, it's uh, somebody's going to emergency. Somebody's going to jail. Love that episode. Um, Toby has to go meet with the protesters against the world trade organization yeah and he does such a good job of like saying they're right about this they're wrong about this and uh aaron sorkin just sort of just dismissing these protesters because they're absolutists yeah it's a zero-sum game for them and that's yeah. to get my soapbox a little bit here about president obama and the just stupid myopic liberals who can't stop talking about how he he isn't what he what yeah, he sold out. He, he sold out. Hey, he didn't sell out. You made him what you wanted him to be because you hated Bush so much. You lied to yourself into believing that he was the president that you wanted. Yeah. Uh, that said, he is the president I voted for. He's a centrist. He's a left-leaning centrist. I don't agree with him on everything. He's doing more good than bad. Mm-hmm. We got some victories. They weren't complete victories, and I'm sorry if that upsets some people. We'll get there eventually. And that's what... what uh, Toby says in the West Wing about the World Trade Organization is that yes, it's uh, a lot of what they do uh, benefits corporations over people in the third world. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, free trade stops wars, and you figure the rest out from there. Hmm. That's that. That's I'm, I'm quoting him directly there. Free trade yeah. stops wars. You figure the rest out from there. And that's so. Yeah, we didn't get all the health care that we wanted. We didn't get. We had to hang on to some of the the Bush the, hang on to the Bush tax cuts. Yeah. We got some victories. It's not the it's not the end of the thing. End of the thing. We we can fight more battles later. Well, and it's also people saying like saying like, oh, whatever happened to change? It's still there. In yeah. fact, it's there's been quite a bit of change. Like exactly. it's very it's it's exce- I, I, you know I, I, for you know, for good or ill. I'm sure that's the thing is, <laughs> it's some people think he's gone way too far. Some people think not far enough. It's like wow, no room in the middle there. <laughs> Yeah, um, but the, I mean the thing is, most people do exist in the middle. It's just the people on the outs, no. uh, on the outer edges, make a whole lot of noise. Yeah. Um, so I do want to talk about because uh, we do. I have a heart out, so we gotta. <laughs> that sounds inappropriate. Um, so the uh, <laughs> yeah, that's for you. Um, so I don't want to. I don't want to take too long on this, but uh, it is interesting to me how. Uh, actually, you know what? Before I move on, I want to bring up Millions, the Danny Boyle film. It's on my list. Um, because. Because that's one that's actually, it's interesting, it's, because there's, there's, it's possible to be anti-materialist, anti-consumerist, but not necessarily be anti-money or any of these other things. It's, uh-huh. it's, it's like Iron Man where, you know, it's about these two kids who they, they, they get all this money and one of them wants to buy things, one of them wants to, you know, do stuff, you know, like save the world with it and all that. Um, and it's, uh. At no point does it say that this money is inherently evil, uh-huh. you know, um, and that's one of the things that I, I apologize for bringing up Christianity so much in this episode. Uh, it's me. this is not podcast award nominated, but not winning more than one lesson. Um, <laughs> but a lot of Christians will say, like, money's the root of all evil. Slow down. That's not that's not what it is. Love of the love of money is the root of all evil. And, and even like. 
is like what you do with it is is fine. And frankly, if you're giving yeah, away how can, money, how can they say money's the root of all evil uh, out of one side of the mouth and then and then tithe out of the other side? Exactly. Not That's, that you tithe with your mouth, but you understand my. I got you. Metaphor. Um, <laughs> but the uh, um, no, and I is say, tithe used as a verb. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, it's th- what you do is you say you're going to tithe. That's how you do it. Right. Um, but uh, exactly. And that's the thing. Chances are anybody who's so willing to give money away, whether it be to your church, whether it be to charity, whether it be to friends, whatever the case may be, chances are they see money as a means to an end, and thus they don't love it in and of itself. They don't right. love having it. Um, but anyway, uh, and so a movie like Millions and like Iron Man, oddly enough, I never thought I'd compare those two movies, but uh, <laughs> the the point is that materialism or at least these resources this money yes it can be used for evil absolutely but it can also be used for amazing good and merely abandoning the whole system like in into the wild or in avatar that's not going to help anybody it's going to help you maybe Uh it may help you feel better about yourself but how about this how about try to engage in the system and makes and make somebody else's life better and you'll feel good there then too um but uh, and then real quick, I've noticed on my list now that I now that I look at it, how many there's only a couple now that I look at it. But uh, how many anti-materialist films are set in the future after something awful has happened? Uh-huh. Um, and I guess that's the nature of sci-fi is that it can... what, are we, what are we talking about here? A- OK, so I've got a- wa- I- I've got Wally, Wally. I've got Idiocracy uh. and I've got Dawn of the Dead. Oh, right. Yeah, I have Dawn of the Dead as well, which I guess Dawn of the Dead could theoretically take place in our present but it's it's the near future yeah near future um but yeah before we wrap up actually speaking about future movies there's one more sort of tack i want to take okay um again to to uh compare materialism and consumerism in in a way this is sort of a vague loose definition of materialism is just uh hanging on to uh physical thing whether it's a good that you buy or not and i'm thinking about um uh tarkovsky's solaris or yeah. soderbergh's solaris okay um which is a movie about how this guy can't live his life anymore mm-hmm. because he's hung up on something he used to have that he doesn't have anymore which is yeah. his wife yeah uh what do you think am i am i am i stretching the definition too far to say that solaris is a movie about materialism um, I think it, I think in an I, cer- I certainly don't think you're going too far. I think you're being abstract with it, and there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that because either way, it's about possession. It's about what you have, uh-huh. and in this case, he has this woman, and I think it fits in what with what we were talking about before that he's clearly defining himself by that uh-huh. or with that because the absence of it is a complete loss for him, and he will do anything to get it back, even if it means ignoring reality ignoring responsibility whatever the case may be um and probably and would choose her over other people no question which is i mean you know that's fine i would choose my wife over other people as well but if she was dead i probably wouldn't um but yeah i'd say i'd say uh in an abstract way it is about what he has and how that just dictates all of his actions so. That's why it's such a shock to him when he cuts himself while chopping vegetables mm-hmm. because it's almost like he's forgotten that he's still alive temporally in this time. Yeah. He's like he's still a material thing of his own. He has blood inside him that's still working and still pumping. Yeah. And he continues to live even though in his mind he hasn't lived a day past his wife's 
death. Yeah. That's that's a good way of that's a really good way of phrasing it. Um yeah, it's uh I mean, the thing is I, I would talk about Dawn of the Dead except there's nothing Right. But I can say that it hasn't been said a million times. It's a wonderful movie. I just rewatched it for Halloween, and man, I love that film. And I forgot just how, just how much it deals with consumerism. Like I, I thought that it was more right. of a just kind of a background thing, but it's right there. I mean, yeah. the f- the fact that these people view like everything they could ever want. I mean, it's it's really a form of paradise when they live in this mall and they have they have everything they could ever want, yeah. you know. Um, and then of course someone else wants it, and thus it's all over. We've gotten to the end here, and we haven't even talked about um, a Christmas Carol, which is indeed uh, or Scrooged. But there's not much to say about it. Just that, yeah, <laughs> it's just one of those. <laughs> I always feel like at the end of episodes, sometimes I want to just mention things just to keep from getting emails. <laughs> man, oh man! It. So yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about a Christmas Carol or, or Scrooged. I mean, Scrooged is actually, uh, you know, the 1980s were a very consumerist decade. Yeah. I mean, so are, so were the 90s, but. Uh, uh, it just makes sense that it would uh, to to update a Christmas Carol into this this era of skyscrapers and wide lapels and <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> Although, here's what I would say: well, wide lapels. I thought that was more of the seventies. Uh, I think you still have wide lapels in the eighties. You have okay. power ties and stuff like that. I mean, you but that is yes. about consumerism—the idea that I'm using more material. Yes. Oh well, there you go. You know, uh, conspicuous consumption. I believe yeah. uh, it's been called. Um, Although, oddly enough, I would say there's a difference between Scrooge and A Christmas Carol because Fra- uh, Frank Cross in Scrooge, it's not so much about money or things. For him, it's about status and power. Whereas, if you look at the initial uh, Dickens novel, Scrooge is obsessed with having money. He doesn't even spend it on himself. He's just obsessed with having it right. and not spending any of it, which is a fascinating idea where literally just the fact of money is what he wants. Right. He doesn't even want what he can get with it. Yeah. Which is astounding to me. It's it's such an, an interesting idea. Um yeah. but it's one that I that I, I've I never understood when I was younger, but the older I get, the more I understand. The idea of of not being comfortable until you have a certain amount in your savings account. Huh. Yeah. And then if you do that. have that amount, it's like well now what? Yeah. I, I have it. I can't spend it. I can't spend it. It's like, but that's what you're supposed to do. Not not just spend willy-nilly, but it's like, well, I have a car repair, but I don't want to dip into this, you know? Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's... Uh, so I think that's the difference, but both of them are, are very interesting because it's just, you know, in Bill Murray's case, it's just power for power's sake, and in, and in uh, Scrooge's case, it's just money, quite literally, for the sake of having money. Right. Um, which is, I'd say, the very... He's not even using it for bad things. It's the very definition of the ba- the wrong kind of materialism right. we're talking about. Uh, and I also want to And thanks mention, for bringing it back to Christmas. Are you going to ruin it with what you're about to say? Yeah, because there's a movie that I didn't get to that I want to mention just because it's a movie that deserves to be mentioned more often. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't remember the director's name, but it's Save the Tiger, starring Jack oh, yeah. Lemmon. Absolutely. Um, which is a really good movie. And uh, if you're a fan of Mad Men, you should probably watch Save the Tiger because... Mm. Uh, I think Matthew Weiner is exploring some of the same, yeah. Some of the, or uh, I guess, Save the Tiger explores some of the same themes that Mad Men. Yeah, Mad Men being a TV show, obviously, is more expansive, right? But um, the uh, just the idea of the generation gap and how that relates yeah. to consumerism and materialism, yeah, uh, is ex- is explored in Save the Tiger. That's a that's a wonderful movie, and then yeah, it's uh, 
And also, I think the character... I was hoping you'd uh, come up with the director's name, but I can't, I can't Oh, I don't, I, I don't have it. I'm sorry. I could tell you uh, the name of various actors in it, uh, but I, I used to have it... I think I used to have it on DVD. No, I had it no, on VHS. No, you had it on VHS. I borrowed it from you. That's okay. all I saw. It. And then I lent it to someone and never got it back. Um, that's frustrating. Anyway, you know, you try to be nice. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, that's, spirit that's, all, a, that's all. A, a great... Uh, what was that? The Christmas spirit and all. Well, I would, I would lend things to people before that. Well, you, oh. You... Carried the Christmas spirit with you. It's Christmas every day in your heart. Is it? I think so. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Just for the sake of the bookend, I'll take it. Um, okay. So yeah, that's uh, that was a, that was a fun discussion, David. I, I think enjoyed so. that. I really, I really liked it. I can't wait to get all the angry emails about how we barely talked about movies for the middle third of the podcast. But that's our okay. Here's the thing. Because I, I, I read a con- – someone said this in a winking way. I think they were kind of joking. Uh-huh. But I saw that someone said uh, – said, I like when they talk about movies. Not so much the personal stuff. And then, like, it was a little – so it's like, okay, it's tongue-in-cheek. That's fine. But I know p- plenty of people have that have that problem with us and maybe with other uh, film podcasts or film critics or whatever. But it's just like, how are you – do you really think we can have a discussion about materialism in film and not discuss what materialism means for us – yeah. As, a, as like as a philosophy, as a concept, like it's it's for all the people who would be like, why, why would you bring your own lives into it? Because everyone does. Like it's just such a it's just yeah. such a I would say ignorant, and I would venture to say stupid idea. Human nature is a part of art. Yeah, in my opinion, I'm not, I'm not John Luke Goddard here. <laughs> I, I'm not viewing film solely as you know an object divorced from all uh, yeah uh, emotion. Yeah, and it's just. This is this is a fairly lofty concept that we're discussing today, and uh, you know it's it's important to know what we think of it, so so that you can because you, ha- you I, I feel like we're getting uh, you the listener undoubtedly have a have a uh, have an opinion about what materialism is. I feel like we're thinking too much of ourselves by addressing uh, <laughs> addressing complaints before they happen. Uh, it might be that, but, but also just it's it's one this this goes back to something that you and I have talked about before, which is finding a critic you like is uh-huh. that it involves their philosophy about film and maybe even their philosophy about things in general because right. that inform that sure. will inform their philosophy about film. And I think that's that's what we do here and I'm sorry to address the complaint beforehand, but it's something that But you were actually responding to an actual complaint that it yeah, happened but it wasn't even a real complaint so i'm not that upset but i know that some people in the past have been bothered by that it's like you know you can't divorce yourself from it so why would you require us to right so, so um you can find us at battleship or in itunes you can email us david at battleship or tyler at battleship you can follow me on twitter at twitter.com slash the pretension or you can follow tyler on twitter at twitter.com slash uh, more lessons, which is the official Twitter feed of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at morethanonelesson dot com or in iTunes, and you can find my other podcast, the weekly television review podcast, previously on at previouslyonshow dot com or in iTunes. Uh, also, uh, you know the meaning of Christmas is donating to your favorite podcast, so uh, please go ahead and. And, and you know, click on the donate button. Also, uh, we have a PO box. I think it's on the website now. It right? is, yes. Uh, so, if you want to send us anything for Christmas, or if you just want to send us a, a letter instead of a, an email, yeah, that would be that'd be fun. I enjoy getting the mail. I'm still, I'm old enough that like uh, that I enjoyed as a kid the idea of letters being to me. 
you know. Right. Um, Even though it's mostly bills now, but I still like I subscribe to magazines, so it's a, yeah. exciting. It's Friday. <laughs> There's a new Entertainment Weekly. Exactly. Do you get your Entertainment Weekly on Thursday or Friday? Friday. Yeah. So I used to get them on Thursday when I lived in Chicago. And then Netflix is exciting. Oh my! Oh, Netflix is great. It's an exciting time for the mail day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks. I feel ever- like the mail is becoming this like almost like fetishistic, like people who are still into vinyl. You know, it's like, oh no, I'm still in the mail. I still maybe get I stuff should, in the mail. Maybe I should rewatch The Postman now. Yeah. Actually, I've never watched it. But uh, yeah, thanks everybody Sad. for listening and uh, happy holidays. Bye. Bye.